0: what is up guys welcome back welcome back to crazily episode number four of new dogs old tricks What's up, guys? I got brennan right here or right there i'll get this figured out one of these days uh, it it's again crazy every time we start off it's just insane four episodes down it keeps it's starting to pick up so i i can't believe i'm so excited for next year when we got the two episodes a month but it just it seems like we're recording one after another reaching out to some awesome people and, and hearing from some and it's just been surreal, learning a um, lot. Yeah, right. yeah absolutely. Get started so. learning a lot. It's been great, and just like on top of the surreal, just we're gonna thank thank our sponsor and everything, which is still crazy to say, and just even crazier updates to uh, today in the last couple of days. So, I mean, first, absolutely, you guys have heard us talk to him. Finally, got to listen to him on the podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. But Jeremy Sanders, Crew First Culture, go give him some love on either his you know website, get some merch from him, check out his podcast go to any of his trainings, listen to hear him teach. And he's a great guy, fantastic firefighter, awesome captain, just awesome guy to learn from. So I really hope you guys have I mean, shown him some love on there. When you're, if you order anything from him, you buy him, don't be afraid to let him know that, you know, he came from us. I'm sure he'd love to hear that. It's been pretty cool. So that, that's just awesome. And one to the next, I mean, then you got job town graphics. So, uh, this is just end of June that we're recording this one. It'll be, uh, august when this one comes out so we're okay. getting getting a little ahead but uh you guys got to see the logo we sent that out earlier this month finally got it finished up in the top right like i said i'll get my directions down one of these days but turned out amazing he's uh, done some awesome things he's done some awesome logos i hope some of you guys have checked them out or you're thinking of checking them out to make some logos he just sent us a bunch of stickers so we got some new dogs, old tricks, podcast stickers. We've been handing these out. So he sent us a ton of these. So awesome. They look
1: great. They yeah. Look great.
0: You guys know us, you ran into us, whatever. We're going to try and have some of these on us to hand out. So they just quality of stuff is great. He's got all sorts of different merch. We'll be getting some coming down the, down the pipe here, but just insane. Um, and then, you know, last and third, just absolutely crazy. Taylor Tins. So we just talked to them today as well with the new logo and everything. And they're sending us some merch of our of uh, their own. We're getting a tin. It sounds like some keychains. Uh, another street sign with their logo. Like just awesome stuff that they're sending us because they they really enjoy the podcast and uh, put a little put a little pressure on them. They're trying to convince Taylor uh, the Taylor to come on the podcast with us. We, gotta
1: get, yeah, we so, gotta
0: get them on. Yeah, so a little bit of pressure. They have said as well. You know, if you're ordering some stuff from them, make sure you let them know that we sent you um a bunch of other people in the shop there firefighters there that they said they're they're trying to to convince to come on and break out their shell to come come join us so just awesome stuff insane crazy never would have thought that that'd be especially episode four like i said it's crazy we've done four episodes but it's even crazier that it's only been four episodes we get to talk about all this cool stuff already so just just awesome stuff so without further ado We've got an awesome guest on the podcast today. I got to learn from him, one of the IAFF's instructors uh, in the course here. He'll touch on that a little bit, I'm sure, when we get talking into it. But great guy coming all the way from Boston. I'll let him do all of his introduction with him. We got Kenny Hayes.
2: Hey, how you doing, guys? What's up, how Kenny? You doing, Kenny? Doing all right. Doing all right. Appreciate all right. So, you like you mind. heard,
0: let's hear a little introduction <coughs> about yourself. You know, tell everybody, tell, uh, tell us what you want to know.
2: Okay. Um, again, Kenny Hayes. I'm currently a captain uh been on the job in boston for over 25 years now uh in, a- in april i hit my 25 year mark i still haven't gotten my pin supposedly we get pins <laughs> at 25 years or 40 years uh speaking of that if i if my accent is a little too much it's time to <laughs> down. um i get that a lot you know one of the nice things about teaching you know all over is you know people pick up on that accent pretty fast oh yeah it's not phony and i'm not yeah. trying to, you know but i do talk a little fast so uh yeah, I uh, got on the job. I was appointed to a ladder company out of drill school. Um, so I spent nine years, my first nine years on a truck, Ladder 15, which is downtown near pretty close to Fenway Park. So if you have visited Boston, more than likely, you know, you've seen it as like a tourist. It's uh, kind of a tourist trap firehouse. A lot of people popping in, thousands of people, you know, over a weekend. Uh, it's a pretty busy area. Pretty yeah. busy um i well i'll backtrack a little bit you know i'm also married two beautiful daughters i have a daughter who just finished her freshman year at college she is a uh, gonna start her second year at u chicago in the fall uh, i have another daughter who is 16 who's going to be a junior in high school mm-hmm. and i've been married for almost 23 years wow yep so i'm I met my wife in the Navy. So she did six years in the Navy and I did four years. And with that 10 years combined, neither one of us ever saw a ship. So it's pretty <laughs> odd. yeah, so we did land duty for 10 years combined, both of us. So that's a little bit different. But uh, yeah. yeah, so been on the job, like I said, over 25 years. And I'm currently the captain of ladder four. Um, lucky enough to get that spot back in January. So I've been there just about seven months. Awesome. Still, nice. still getting my feet wet there. And uh, yeah it's an awesome spot. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. So
0: yeah, I, it's
2: that's awesome.
0: I kind of gave you another question that I'll, I'll throw in there because you've obviously done a real good job of, of managing your uh, fire life and family life as well because we'll get into and with asking some of your questions, but you've been instructing all over. So i will be a, a good one to touch on, I think, for for a lot of people to hear. But no, I mean, without further ado, we'll just start hitting as many of these questions as we can get. So we got our first one uh you kind of talked a little bit about your history but how did you end up in the fire service
2: so it i'm gonna be honest with you i didn't grow up chasing fire trucks and you know i didn't i didn't volunteer in any small towns before i um you know i typical you know childhood in the in the city i grew up right in the city i grew up in a beautiful great neighborhood in the city um tried college um didn't uh, last more than one semester not that I wasn't a good student it's just that I realized that uh, college wasn't for me I was going to school down in Florida at a small college in st Augustine Flagler College uh, me and my buddy tried it out we didn't even visit the school we just decided to go to college in Florida <laughs> uh, and we both again we both lasted one semester and um, it's kind of a funny story is just after class one day you know I we got you know we got some financial help but I, you know, my parents were still paying a bulk of it and uh, it just didn't sit well with me that I was in school and possibly wasting money on something I really didn't really feel passionate about. Mm -hmm. So after class one day, I just started walking down Main Street in uh, St. Augustine and uh, just, you know, just kind of just killing time. And I ended up seeing a recruiting office and it was all four branches. So I, you know, I popped my head in and I started looking at some Marine Corps uh, brochures, and next thing I know, I hear a knock behind me, and I turn around, and there's a gentleman in a Navy uniform. And he says, Is there anything I can help you with? And I said, I'm just here to get some information on the Marines. He said, Well, they're at lunch right now. Is uh, so there anything <laughs> I can help you with? 20 minutes later, I signed up for the Navy. I always joke, like, that could have been the circus who knocked on that door behind me at that point. I was willing to try anything. I was just, yeah. You know, I'm just, um, but yeah. So I called my parents and uh, uh, another funny story. My dad was a Marine and I called him and I said, oh. you know, I said, Dad, uh, I just want to let you know, uh, you know, when I come home for winter break, I probably won't be going back. And, you know, I laid it on that I had just joined the Navy and, you know, he wasn't upset that I joined the Navy or, you know, because he was a Marine. He wanted to see me finish school. But I said, my, you know, my heart's just not in it. And, uh, and I figured um, they could help me uh, learn to swim because I was a terrible, <laughs> terrible swimmer growing up. Horrendous swimmer, and I'm like, yeah, they'll, they'll make me. You know, they'll I'll put myself in an uncomfortable situation. They'll make me learn how to swim, but that never came to fruition. Yeah, I, I, was didn't saying, uh,
0: I did I Must have been the why they camp. didn't uh, put you on any of the boats. They kept you on land, huh?
2: Yeah. No. I was
0: <laughs> I think I like camp,
2: It was terrible. I, I. It's a very basic test. You jump off a platform into the pool, get to the other side of the pool. However, I looked, I looked terrible, so I failed. <laughs> So then they sent sent me down the other end of the pool and with some of the other inner city kids and we also failed the test. (laughs) Basically they said, get back in the water and get to the other side of the pool. I don't care how you get there, just get there. So I kind of paddled my way across and (laughs) cast it. That's all it is. So So anyway, I ended up in the Navy, not knowing how much that would play into um, becoming a firefighter. So one of the times I was home on leave late in that four-year uh, enlistment, uh, my uncle—we uh, were at a wedding—and my uncle mentioned to me because my uncle was a at the time a chief on Boston. Oh wow! So yeah, my father's brother—I'm uh, sorry, my mother's brother, um, uh, Billy—he was a chief on the job, and uh, he said, "Kenny, have you ever given any thought to you know the police or the fire department?" And I said, uh, "Not really." I said, "I was I was thinking about all different things when I got out, like maybe applying." For- to go back to college to possibly be in the FBI. I I had high hopes and all the I did, but I still really wasn't sure. And I was like, you know what, maybe I will take the exam. So I took the exam and, um, only because I served in the military did I even get even like looked at to be on the job because the way Boston and the way Massachusetts does it is they only hire off certain lists initially. So they hire veterans, they hire, that's, um, Minorities, they hire, you know, second language, they give preferences for all these different things. So, if I was just a regular, you know, Joe Schmo off the street who took yeah. the exam and did excellent on it, more than likely I wouldn't get called because they hire off those other lists first. So, uh, it's com- I had no idea about any of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, joining the Navy was <clears throat> not only did I not waste any time, it was great. I met my wife, you know, yeah. it, was, it set me up for success later in life. So, awesome. that's how I got on the job. And that was back in, uh, yeah, April of 98. So it's, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe how fast it's gone. I know you yeah. probably hear that, you know, in the short few episodes you've done it's you're going to hear that same thing, how fast it goes. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think Blatt's mentioned that last one. I just don't blink like it, it's over like that. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's, that's why we're bringing this in is, you know, having all of these experienced people, everybody with all these years on is just not losing that because just a blink of an eye, all, all of, you know, you guys with the 20 plus years on, you're going to be gone off the job. And it's just it's just us. So, yes, yeah. that was a big thing for it. But, yeah, that's what everybody has said is it just goes by like that.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And and when I did get on it, it was a different job. It was, you know, they were hiring guys probably when I say guys, you know, I, I did have um, female in my class. But yeah, um, they were hiring probably 25 every six months and compare that to nowadays where they hire 60 to 90 probably every six months, it's the turnover is uh-huh. incredible compared then yeah. to now. It was a much older department when I came on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what everybody says as well. So
0: it's crazy, but uh, I mean, perfectly tied into it. Our, our next question we got on here is what did you do as
2: a new firefighter to earn the respect to your crew? So um, another thing, I guess there is some benefits to having an uncle on the job. So yeah. Um, the way you know out of drill school I or out of you know the academy we call it drill school but uh, out of the academy I was appointed to ladder 15 so in Boston and maybe some other cities do the same but basically you're not really uh, appointed to a house you're appointed to an apparatus whether it's an engine or a truck not usually a rescue company but there were times over the last few you know the last 20 years that here and there one or two people would get appointed to a rescue company you don't see it anymore at all but you did you know, about 20 years ago, you did see that a couple of mm-hmm. times. So I was, um, since a lot of 15 and when I got there, I was the youngest by 15 years. So, uh, the next oldest guy was, I think he was, I was a pretty young guy. I turned 24 in the Academy. So just like you two, um, mm-hmm. I was, it was pretty young. And the next, you know, the guy, the ne- next guy to me was nearly 40 years old. So it was a big wow. gap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it was uh, one of those places like you hear the cliche, like certain houses run themselves. It was kind of like that because there was so much experience um, in that house at that time. Um, there was a lot of reasons why it was older, which at the time I didn't understand. Um, but um, certain houses tended to have older guys kind of float that way for you know, for reasons other than you know, just the actual job itself. We had this system in the city where, Depending on the neighborhood you worked in, there were opportunities outside of work to do like a, a paid fire watch. And different neighborhoods mm-hmm. had a lot more paid fire watches. So, guys, you know, hmm. to make it a few extra bucks, you know, on the side, tended to kind of, you know, uh, make their way to houses that were in those areas downtown that had a lot of fire watch potential. Now that since changed, the whole city is even. Doesn't matter where you work, everybody gets equal opportunity to do a, a fire watch. Cool. Yeah. I can explain a little bit more about that too. When we, you know, if we get into a little bit of about the line of duty death we had. yeah, and how that yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, uh, as far as earning respect, um, I think the, the military background obviously helped big time. Not that I needed to grow up or anything, but, you know, going from the military right into the Academy really felt like seamless. Yeah. You know, I'd already kind of built up a little bit of mental fortitude, not just, because of boot camp itself, boot camp is not really difficult. It's just it's a mental game, um, and then you know being stationed in different places you don't want to be, and having to be there for one to two years, and you know having no say in where you go, and then like again, getting the opportunity to get on the job and then get into the academy, you're you're almost grateful. You're like I can handle this, yeah. Um, and, and then getting you know I I kind of briefly talked about how I had an uncle in the job, so. There were, you know, there are times that having a family member on the job who has a little bit of, you know, push with certain folks on the job and getting assignments, you know, Ladder 15 was a desirable spot. Um, it still is. You know, it's a little different now, but uh, Ladder 15 was a great spot to get out of the academy because uh, a lot of times they kind of send you where they need to as far as firehouses go for manpower. Uh, they did definitely didn't need a new guy at Ladder 15, so when they got me. <laughs> I made the group heavy, as we say, which means that every time I came to work, you know, one of those, you know, crustier older guys had to get sent to another files that needed a body because I made the group kind of heavy. So <laughs> as far as manpower goes, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, you know, I just kept my mouth shut, you know, like, again, a lot of cliches, I bet people say, as far as like, you know, what a probie, how he should act. Um, I felt like I did a pretty good job of that. You know, just kept my mouth shut. You know, it was a sponge. Um, I had some great guys who, you know, just excellent guys and who were also, I think two of them were carpenters at the time on the side. So as far as learning the tools, which I had no clue as a city kid, I never used tools growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in an apartment complex, you know, no backyard, no, you know, no, no shed full of tools. My dad didn't, you know, I didn't build anything with my dad growing up. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little different, but, but yeah, I, being a probie and I just, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think the military was a huge help in that. Huge help, yeah. It, and absolutely. being the first new guy they had gotten in a while, so yeah, the guy everybody was very welcoming, and it was it was a great spot to go right off the bat because you know very busy, and when I say busy, it's a lot. That's everything. That's the smells and bells as we call it. You know, you're running all day, you yeah. know, investigating central station alarms, automatic alarms, local alarms. There was the subways. There was the you know. There was the the trains there was the, you know, we had our firehouse was kind of built up over a, um, a freeway. So we had, we had everything. We had the big city, you know, the high rises elevators. Yeah. So we, you know, we were always averaging, you know, close to 4,000 calls a year. You know, okay. Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So
0: kind of fast forwarding, and then we're going from one end to the other one. How do you now, as as a captain, how do you motivate your young firefighters as they walk in the door? So,
2: again, again, you can probably hear a lot of cliches. I still, I I have this little thing. Like I've been I've been kind of thinking about these things for a while, not with this podcast, but I've been trying to think of something when I when I teach. Like, like I I really never lost that probie mindset. I call it. Like, I still act like a probie, and that includes like when I show up to a firehouse as the new captain, like. I keep my mouth shut. I act like a sponge for a little bit. I kind of take everything in, see who the players are. I already have an idea already of, you know, how the house, you know, is kind of set up and who's on what group, you know, those are all things I, you know, I investigated kind of before I got it because when we put in for a company, let's say, you know, the beginning of the month, they put out 10 to 15 companies that are open for certain positions, whether it's a firefighter, lieutenant or captain or chief. So you put in for it, you bid for it, and it's all based on your time and rank. So at the 15th of the month, so they put it out in the beginning, and by the 15th of the month at 5 p.m., all the papers are collected, and basically whoever has the highest paper for that, you know, the most time and rank for that certain spot, they get it. So I knew, like, late afternoon on the 15th that I got, you know, my spot. So I had a couple weeks before I actually had to show up on the 1st of the next month. So, yeah, that's when a lot of my, uh, you know, my homework was done. But I knew – I knew this company already just from training and that's honestly one of the best things about teaching on my job is the ability just to meet everybody because I was in a bubble for a long time. My little ladder 15, my first nine years, I was in a bubble, ladder 15 group four. Um, and I didn't think anything was better than that. And I didn't go outside for anything. I was just, I hated to leave the firehouse. and I would do anything to not get sent to another firehouse because I loved ladder 15 so much. And, yeah, there was a lot of company pride there, but I think it was also more because I was comfortable there and I was able. So that's what that was kind of time when I realized it was time to kind of grow up. All right, time to get serious, time to start thinking about something different. And that's when I, you know, I started thinking about changing it up a little bit, trying a heavy rescue company, trying an engine, eventually starting to study. Yeah. You know, so I know I'm going all over the place here, but yeah. No, no, that's yeah good. No, that's good. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I think keeping keep that mindset is, is great. I mean, like down to even just the chores, like, you know, you, you got to experience it very minimally, but our, our department is very unique where it's, you know, our one station um, yep. on track for 3000. So, you know, supposed to be even if busy, it'd be the first time that we hit that number. But, you know, we run a decent amount for a one station department, but then just the layout of it. So not having the the truck assignments, basically, it changes every day. You walk in, I mean, you you could be MPO on the ambulance tailboard driving the yeah. truck. It just, if you have the cert, you get to do it, and um, I think it just kind of adds to the everybody being the same because like you know our shift, our captains, lieutenants, and every, every shift they're all participating in the chores, they're all doing everything like that. So I think that that does a lot is keeping that like you said, probing mentality. It just it see it says a lot as the young guy. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. That's a good point. I see. I'm envious of the way you guys have done it. The way most departments do it, you're assigned to a house or a station mm-hmm. and you, you know, you have to know everything. When I say I was in a bubble, it's like we had an engine across the, you know, across the bay engine 33. You know, if someone had asked me, can you get water out of that pump? There was times when I couldn't because all I was, I was assigned to lab 15. I didn't care about the engine. Yeah. <laughs> and if I worked on the engine, you know, an extra shift on the engine or anywhere in the city, you know, I was either stuck on the hydrant position or ideally, luckily, I'd be on the the pipe or the nozzle. Um, so you were never going to run the pump as a guy from a truck. It just yeah. wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But what I mean is by being sent to a house, you would have learned all those positions. You would have rotated through all those. And I think there's a, a lot of benefits to that. And that's one of my regrets as a firefighter. I never tried an engine, uh, you know, really like a real like to get work as an mm-hmm. engine firefighter. You know, I did. Yeah. I did a lot of work on an engine as an officer, um, but not as that firefighter role. So there's some regrets, but I tried to make up for that throughout my career. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, So next one that we got on here is kind of along the same lines. What do you think brings a crew together the best?
2: Oh, well, a good call. And that's not always a fire, you know, Um, just something that, you know, you immediately want to talk about, not saying that, like, you know, Like a, not like we want to correct something, but I think a call, a unique call, you know, it's one of those things that can bring you together. Um, Definitely a fire, a good fire. Um, We can't get enough of those. I know that. Um, You know, I've been chasing those just like you guys. I know it's like I'm on the busiest truck right now hoping, you know, I have to put up with a lot of, you know, nuisance calls to hopefully get more fires. But still, at this point in my career, I'm still kind of chasing that. that, (laughs) I still have that desire to, you know, to get more. Yeah. So hopefully. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be on the show. None of these people would be on the show if they didn't you know, love that part of the job. But it's not always a fire that can bring you together. Um, yep. Different calls, unique calls. Um, maybe even you work like through a blizzard, a unique shift, you know. Um, right. Then, of course, the camaraderie side. Um, I've only been at four for, like I said, almost seven months. And I'm trying to instill uh, for my group, at least. You know, the, um, I'm the captain of ladder four, but across the floor is engine 14 and they have a lieutenant. And we're basically a group of, you know, eight of us minimum on shift. And then we also have a chief in the house and he has his driver. So there's 10 of us at all times working on group one, on ladder four. Um, so I try to instill quarterlies. So we have quarterly inspections that we're required to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to instill quarterlies and nights out. So quarterly nights out for all of us. So we, you know. We've been, like I said, in the seven months, we've already done our first two quarterlies. So we're going to keep those on track. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dinners. you know, dinner, night, a few drinks. Uh, one time we went to a really fancy steakhouse. Recently, we went to, uh, we tried to go to a Red Sox game that we never made it inside because it was, uh, we ended up at the restaurant too long. Then <laughs> 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 it poured out. So it was a rain delay and none of us really made it inside. But, you know, and. I, I know these guys, but it took some time and, you know, I was there for a couple months. I said, all right, let's, let's go out for the holidays. And we waited till after Christmas and after New Year's and, yeah. you know, late, I think it was late January, early February. That was our first night out as a group since I've been there. And, you know, we just did one recently. So I'm going to keep that up. Those quarterlies, you know, just kind of making fun of what we normally have to do, which is quarterly inspections.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good twist on it. Yeah. We, we've we tried to do many things like that. And with summer, it's harder. Our, our our shift rotation kind of makes it hard because, you know, we got we got our 24-48. So you only have really that one night that you can yes. like, plan doing something going out yep. in there. So it's really got to work for everybody. So it makes it a little hard. But last. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think of that. That is tough. Yeah. yeah. Last uh, last month or two months ago, I think it was, we, we went out uh, for laser tag. And I think we got like everybody but two, our, our captain and one of our senior guys who he was on light duty at the time. But we got a, got a pretty good number for it. But yeah. That's it's, great. The only the only hard part is it, especially because we a lot of us live all over. Like our captain's down in Sun Prairie, I'm up in Fond du which is basically like an hour and a half difference. So yeah, trying to find one night that works for everybody is a little tough, but we try and do the best we can.
2: Yeah. So we, we well, I don't want to tell you my schedule. It's incredible, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, but, I um, assume
0: that you saying you have group four, I have, a, I have a good assumption as to what your what your schedule is. Which yes, makes
2: me jealous. Taking take a guess in twenty four seventy two. So it's. It's 24, 48 off, 24, 96 off. Okay. All so right. One, two one four
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that I like that better than 24, <laughs> 72, but that's ideal. It's, you You did that and modified it.
2: So, yeah, yeah. that's. That's so awesome. That, that's funny. We talk a little about camaraderie and bringing a group together. There's a lot of guys on our job because we didn't switch to 24s until I mean, maybe 10, 12 years ago. So the first half of my career. We weren't in the 24-hour schedule. We were in a – you did a day, day shift, then you came in the following night. Similar to FDNY, but not as crazy with all the Kelly days and stuff. Yeah, We did a day and night, then we were off for 24 hours, then we did a day night, then we were off for three days. And a lot of guys like that better because you could still swap a shift with a guy and make your own 24-hour shift if you wanted to. You had more flexibility. And what it did was, though, when we went to 24-hour uh, schedule, it kind of took away that – that day shift that you worked that maybe after work, everybody would go out together. Yeah, yeah. Especially for, like, events like, you know, the softball league. And those things used to be really popular. A lot of that stuff is kind of with the new schedules. It's kind of – I don't want to say not as popular because maybe – although softball is not as popular with us, our hockey programs are very popular. And yeah. that was the opposite when I came on. So, yeah, yeah. so there's benefits I like to, to some that, different too. schedules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're
0: kind of, kind of locked in – with ours and hard to branch out so there's been talks about switching but we're we're just such a unique department there's just so many so many challenges that come in with it but yeah there's there's been a couple times like brennan i I wasn't on uh wasn't on his shift at the time but for brennan's 21st i believe you all went out for drinks like the next morning because you turned 21 on shift didn't you
1: i did yeah On shift.
0: so the next morning i know i've heard many of the stories from that before i before i came (laughs) to shift of what happened that morning but like you know, stuff like that. You just gotta find a good uh, third shift bar.
1: Long day, let me tell you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there was Sorry. a time where I don't want to get too crazy, but there was a time we guys met before the shift. <laughs> that, was yeah. all, that was all I t- thought. Oh before. yeah, things
0: yeah things are things are very different. Yeah, I, you always hear the stories. It's crazy how much things cha- can change.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, we became professional. All of us became professional. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So next one that, that we got on here, so it's going to be talking about a little bit, uh, give you opportunity to talk about some of your teaching. So uh, what's your favorite thing about teaching at FDTN and uh, with the IAFF? And why should new firefighters make it out to those trainings?
2: So, um, good question. Uh, FDTN, that is, have, have you guys been there at all before? I've Redonized. been there. Okay.
1: Yeah last year I think it was
2: did you go for a specific class or were you there for
1: um it was like the fireground day so you did like the writ you did like all the stations
2: oh yeah so yeah. I was there then
1: yep i I think
2: yeah. I,
0: that's right yeah you would have been there with captain Yankee from uh, yep. from our group
2: that's when right when we went through oh yeah so that's the that's I mean I would love to be involved with a lot more there but um luckily enough um I, I get the opportunity to go there twice a year for the live burn camp which is what you're describing. The lot camp is six stations over the three days. You know, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, for three straight days, and you hit all the six stations. It's a great opportunity for, for you know, for a firefighter to kind of get a little taste of everything. And not only that, it's just the the opportunity to. There's so many instructors. Uh, Jim McCormick. What makes that place special is the amount of instructors he brings in for it for that class um, in particular, because. I mean, all his classes, he has an incredible amount of instructors, like the student ratio to instructor is, it's, it's not a good business model. I don't think it's, you know, (laughs) he's not killing it. He's, you know, just with his logistical needs and uh, his staff, it's, it's just barely enough to get the class going and, but he doesn't do it for the money. It's obvious. And, you know, he, it's incredible what he does because he's able to bring in people from small volunteer departments and I'm talking instructors. Small volunteer departments who are just passionate to big cities um, all over the country. Um, and it's unique that they all come together and they're all kind of humbled to be there. Um yeah. it's an honor it's an honor to even be, you know, asked to even be involved. So talk about, you know, just keeping my mouth shut and just kind of doing my thing. Um I, I love being part of it. And I'm only part of it because of one of my, you know, my best friends on the job who you know, retired last year, uh, Sandy Lassa, he teaches, you know, all over and he's a big, he's at Jim's, every one of Jim's classes. So at FDTN, he's one of the, you know, one of Jim's best instructors. I was lucky enough to work with him in Boston, both at ladder 15 and then, uh, later on at uh, heavy rescue rescue one. Uh, and I worked with him for a little bit there as well. So I kind of followed him around and he saw that I had a passion for a certain subject, which was firefighter rescue and writ and, uh, yeah, so I first took the class out there in Indianapolis. I mean, outside Indy. I first went to FTTN on my own, you know, not through the department, just on my own, paid my way as a student. And uh, I thought it was the best RIT class I'd ever taken. And then lucky enough to be involved when I got back to start teaching. So my first teaching on our job was was being involved in RIT training. And I stayed in that – I don't want to say bubble because I was talking – to that. you know, when I say bubble – Sometimes that's a negative, but that's my passion. That's my yeah. you know, my wheelhouse is firefighter rescue, uh, RIT training, uh, a little bit of search training. That's, that's my passion. So I did – that's kind of how I eventually made my way to the IFF because I was trying to be a constant student. I was taking classes. If there was a class on RIT or survival, I was going out of my way to take it. And uh, that's where I was lucky enough to um, – last minute, get into an IFF class that was south of Boston. Boston wasn't hosting it. It was uh, like a regional class, probably about 40 minutes south of the city. And I happened to get a call from somebody who was taking it. And it was the night before class started. And he said, uh, Kenny, uh, what's your thoughts on the IFF survival program? And I'm like, I, I, I was kind of confused. I'm like, you mean the online one? Because I'd done some online courses. Yeah, yeah I like the, Yeah, no and, courage to be safe I'm, and that stuff. Yeah, I was just all a bunch of good videos and stuff. Yeah, I just yeah. it online, and I didn't know there was a hands-on component to it. And I said, "I've never taken it." And he says, "Oh, I'm taking it tomorrow." And you know, maybe I can get you in the class. And I literally got in that class the night before, and it's just because of a random phone call uh, wow. from from a guy I knew. And then, uh, yeah, I took the the class like you guys did, and did my four days. Met a lot of the good instructors, and then probably eight months later, I. Um, one of the instructors reached out to me and said, would you be interested in applying to be an instructor? And I, I was very honored that, you know, and yeah. so, yeah, it was a long process from the time I took the class to when I got the call, I applied. It was almost two years by the time I got on. the yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, as you guys know, you're both into the job. I mean, there's a reason why you're doing this because you guys want to learn. You want help. You're going to hear it a lot. Again, like the guests you bring on, they're all, you know, top-notch guys. And they all know that you got to be a constant student. You you can't mm-hmm. be out there teaching, putting your face out there. Uh, you can't unless, you you know, you're continually trying to learn. And that's that's what I've tried to do. Mm-hmm. And that continued at FTTn because you meet a whole new group of instructors. There's so many. I have so many group um, good friends from the North Carolina area. Charlotte, Raleigh, uh, Goldsboro, all these different – um, Wake Forest, all these great guys that teach at gyms that I'll have lifelong friendships now with yeah. uh, it's, it's an incredible spot And I happened to meet um, you know, we had our Ritz station and next door to us was the survival station that all the uh, the guys from the Charlotte area in uh, Asheville they ran that station so they, they told me that they were basically building their props based on a class that they taught back in North Carolina, so Hearing more and more about this class, um, I wanted to take it. So that was ended up being the most difficult class I'd ever taken. Uh, mm-hmm. The most strenuous, even harder than the class that I'd taken at FTTN. That class in North Carolina—it's, I believe, they call it the North Carolina Breathing Equipment School. Some people call it the Breathing School. It's hmm. five days. It's a roughly fifty-hour course. Um, everything from a little bit of classroom to self-survival to partner rescue to team rescue to multiple team rescues all using real people with a little bit of mannequins mixed in all into live fire conditions it was like a hell week and if i didn't go to gyms to you know to teach and meet these fellas i wouldn't have you know taken that class and if i didn't take that class i wouldn't have felt comfortable to apply to the IFA. like there's all these things are all connected yeah it's incredible by training the network you, you create. Oh my God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. You guys
2: will see it. You guys are, you know, you're trying to create your own network here and and it's, it's awesome. Um, And that's, you know, if I go on my Facebook, I probably, I probably have whatever a few thousand friends. I don't, I'm not not like, I don't have 4,000 friends, but it's all because of my networking. Whenever I take a class, like reach out to me and I have had people reach out to me that I met briefly at a training who need a parking spot when they visit Boston. And because parking in the city is terrible, <laughs> you know, parking at, you know, any of the firehouses in the city, they're like, Oh, I, you know, I met a guy from this place or that place. And I ask him questions about whatever. And oh. that's, that's what I, there are also a lot of benefits to social media other than just sharing images of your family and whatnot. But for me, it's a networking. I use Facebook just for like the people that I meet training and, all the classes that I want to take and following these, you know, these leadership guys that all yeah. you guys are familiar with. For sure. So. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Just like you said,
0: with just this network and Brennan and I have been fortunate to go to a, a lot of, a lot of trainings recently in our young career. Me sent off like, uh, we're going to, to Michigan next month for a cadet thing. We're going to him and I are both going to into the job on a Wichita and oh, all yeah. so And, but just, through like the people that we know that are on our department and then the just trainings locally around here and this, like, it's just been, it's crazy. We talked about with Jeremy, how we were like starstruck to even talk to Jeremy when he was up teaching with us so that we reached out on, on Facebook afterwards to, to do that. And that really, you know, it, everybody's just wants to share and and be here and like, nobody's, you know, too, too good to to talk to you or to to network and tell you and teach you what they know. So it's crazy how much information is out there if you want to go get it.
2: Oh, yeah. And there's so many, so like you said, you talked about Into the Job. I, I would love to go to that. My buddy Sandy, that last I was just talking about, he was one of the speakers last year at that. He said that was the best venue. Like the setup that they have it was incredible. He said it was
1: awesome.
2: And he's, you know, he's done his little talks all over and he said that was a, a pretty special one. So I have not made it up to that one yet. I do like yeah. the lecture series a lot. I like being a, a student, you know, as far as hands on goes too, but I love yeah. like, just list. I love after-action reports of near misses and maydays. That's you know that's still in my wheelhouse, like I said, my bubble, but that's those are the kind of classes I love to take and kind of learn it from other folks. And that's yeah. where the IFF, that's where, although the IFF hands-on portion, as you guys know, it's not the most difficult thing you've ever done. Um, but what I love about the IFF program is the instructor cadre that a lot of those guys were either, directly involved in a line of duty death or at the scene and it's their stories that get you and you know sometimes we we argue a little bit me and the, the members of the cadre because sometimes these guys don't share enough i don't think because i always say the skills are the skills you know what i mean you can pick you can go on youtube and see any of those skills that we do you know there's a lot of people good people instructors teaching those same skills but i think it's the passion the stories the backstory that 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 kind of gets guys and that's, that's mm-hmm. what a lot of times they want to hear. And and that's what I, I feel like I get when I go out to these places to teach, like it's the passion, you know? The, the, yeah. I don't like, they all have their catchy names and but they're <laughs> there for, you know, they're, they're all catchy for a reason because, you know, guys just love the job and they just want to yeah. share how happy they are to, you know, to learn more or to be a student or to give. So, yeah, it's a pretty yeah. cool, just like, I don't know if you've been to FDIC which is like, you know, like it's like the Super Bowl of, yeah, yeah. You know, it's overwhelming a little bit.
1: There next year.
2: Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think the goal
0: next year. We got, we got a list of places we're trying to, trying to check off, but it seems like it's growing faster than we can check things off. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's good to get a little taste of a little bit of everything, you know, and, yeah. Um, so, yeah, though, I try to go to those and the way FTTN runs their, um, spring live fire camp, it's usually built to end. So you can go to FDIC right after. Nice. So I kind of, that's my ticket to get there, you know, cause yeah. it's, it's, it's tough to get to all these, you know, as you know, Yeah. you guys are young guys. you both said you're buying a house. It's, you know, you get real responsibilities and you got kids, you add kids to the mix. And I'm, I'm grateful. And, you know, to be where I am in my life where, you know, my kids are a little bit older now. So, yeah. you know, when I leave home, it's not the same as earlier in my career. Yeah. But,
0: yeah, and I definitely am going to want to want to touch on that too. That's one of the things I added, but uh, you you talked about it briefly, so I'm going to uh, jump down to that one um, just because I think, like you said, when you when you shared your story at the of the IFF training that we did, it really did have lots of lessons and a lot of power into it. So, uh, what lesson uh, or lessons did you take out of the line of duty death that you experienced uh, that you want everyone to learn? You know, day one in a career.
2: Well, the big thing from that is. Although I wasn't on the engine that day or the truck that day with those guys, you know, I worked, that's, that was my house, you know, for over nine. Well, at that point it was in my career. I I spent nine years there at that firehouse and then I left to go to the heavy rescue for roughly three years. And then I made my way back to uh ladder 15. Uh, so I did two stints there as a firefighter before I, you know, things changed. So, so I got to work, you know, directly with, you know, one of my good friends, one of my guys on my group that, so a lot of 15 group four, like I said earlier on, I was the the new guy, you know, um, first new guy they had gotten in a while. And a few years later, I think it was roughly five years later, um, Eddie Walsh, who, who, d- who did uh, unfortunately die that day you know, on Beacon Street, a line of duty death, Eddie Walsh was assigned to ladder 15 out of the academy and he was um assigned to my group so i was lucky enough to have eddie on my group he at the time was i think three or four years older than me so i was technically his senior man and he was he was older than me he had fought for a long time to get on the job he was not a uh, he didn't he was not in the service he wasn't a veteran so he was one of those guys who got a perfect score that kind of had to sit on the list for a lot longer than they should have so when he came on, he'd already had a career started that he left. So he was a little bit older. He wasn't your typical probie. Um, so we became instantly good friends. Um, we had a very tight knit group at that house. Um, you know, we did a lot of things together and we worked together for um, about five years before Eddie decided to study for lieutenant. So it's unfortunate when you study, you you know, one of the negatives is if you do well enough, you're going to get promoted and you're probably not going to get back to the house that you were a firefighter in, yeah, at yeah. least not for a while. So Eddie studied and got promoted and he kind of bounced around the city for a little bit. And in that time he was bouncing around the city. So did I as a firefighter. That's when I tried a little bit, of, you know, some of the other different things on the job. Um, <clears throat> so he eventually made his way back to uh, that house, but he, at this time, was now on the engine across the floor. So he wasn't on the truck anymore. His ticket back to the firehouse was not on the truck, was to be a boss on the engine. So uh, I didn't work for him then. I was Again, I was already gone at that point. I had decided to study too, and I was on the list to get promoted. So I was kind of floating around the city when he was working as a lieutenant in, in my old house. And the other um, firefighter that did die that day um, transferred in to the firehouse while I was out. So I was already out of that files for, you know, about a year at that point. So I never really directly worked with, uh, Mike Kennedy. who I just knew him from just, you know, being on the job, although it's a, a big job, you know, roughly 1, 15, 1600 members, you know, you kind of meet people here and there. And, you know, I was training just doing the RIT training once a year at that point. So it really wasn't, you know, a full thread. I w- really wasn't like teaching like I am now and you know, I was still early in my teaching career. And so when that happened that day, um, I don't want to get too much into it, but, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I I can go on forever, but what made that unique was how fast things can change, how real this job gets. And and, then that's the the kind of thing I wish you could stress to, I could stress to, to anybody who's listening to this, or just whether you're a probie 10 years on the job, 15 years on the job, how real this job gets, how fast, how fast that can be, you know, Um, not saying that, you know, anybody took that, incident lightly or not like a professional, but things happened that day that we may never see again. A perfect storm of just, I always say a perfect storm of shit. Uh, Meaning the weather, um, the response times for companies that were out of service, um, the lineup on the, the engine that day was just disjointed, all capable members, but it was just not your typical, you know, first in box alarm that we would have Everybody kind of showing up at the same time, rushing to get to the spot. This was unique as far as delays with other calls being in at the same time, companies at the shop, like, again, the weather, um, training. So it was just a bunch of perfect storm that was all, like, people say those dominoes start to fall, like all the Swiss cheese where everything's lining up. Um, and, you know, our tactics were what they were at the time are a little different now. That was one of the things that big things that changed after that was how we, you know, some of our SOPs or SOGs needed to be updated. And of course there are, there is a lot of good that comes from something terrible, like a tragedy like that. But anyway, so when that happened, um, I just happened to be at training that day. I was with another company and, uh, I was unsure who was working that day because Eddie, he was just back to that firehouse for a month and I really wasn't even sure what group he was on. Um, so I really was unsure who was working that day. Cause we all kind of heard the Mayday come in at training and people were kind of scrambling. Who's, you know, who was that? Who, you know, like whose voice was that? And, you know, it once it dawned on me who it was, it, it took a second to kind of like register because, you know, Eddie at the time, like I said, we've been friends for years. Our families knew each other. Um, it was, it, 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 it was tough. And then by the time I got to the scene, you know, and everything had already happened, he was still inside the building, but they had already pulled everybody out. Mike was pulled out uh, unconscious and he was, you know, pronounced dead at the hospital. Eddie was still unaccounted for, but they had an idea of where he was. Um, I was able to be part, you know, of the procession when they did finally remove his body. And, you know, it was, it was just terrible. It was a long, long day. The weather was horrible for that time of year. It was late March, but it felt like, like an early January day. It was so windy, so cold, so wet, just an awful day from like morning until sunset. It was just an awful day. And uh, what kind of like brought it all home to me was the way we do it on our job to get promoted is like probably is on most places. You can't get promoted unless there's a position. So whether somebody retires or unfortunately dies like, like Eddie did, um, I was next in line to get promoted. So it just so happened to be that when Eddie perished, that was my job. And you always kind of remember who you got promoted for. Oh, I re- you know, I got promoted to captain for this guy because he retired. But it's always usually, a, you know, like not a terrible uh, a story, you know, but sometimes it is. So, you know, I that stuck with me for a long time that like I, I was not going to take that lightly. Um, and that's kind of when my career like took a different track. I was became already i was that guy who was into the job and into this rich survival it just went to another level that's when i started traveling everywhere that's when i got out of my bubble that's when i finally decided to play more of a role on on our job as far as like being involved more um, because after that happened the city went through a mayoral change we went through a new commissioner we got new apparatus, new gear, new SOGs. We had a whole different mindset. We really weren't the like the most highly trained job before that. We did our, you know, our basic training here and there at the academy, but it after the line of duty death um, in 2014, it went to a different level. It was the, so many people getting like the the turnover was incredible. Just the timing, like there was a lot of good that came out of it. Like I said, the apparatuses were all replaced. I mean, you're talking 34 firehouses, all new trucks, engines over a span of three to four years. All of that was, you know, changed. We had a mayor. uh, Yeah. We had a mayor that was behind us. Our commissioner was a very progressive um, commissioner, Uh, new gear, everything tactics. We had a new um, training tower built at our academy. And I happened to be the new Lieutenant who was, kind of just lucky enough to be involved in all of those things, whether it was, you know, the new gear that we were testing out, they needed instructors at the academy and it all got, you know, but it's all because of that day that I, I, like I said, I I dedicate, you know, my second half of my career, I've dedicated to Eddie because I wouldn't be doing any of these things if that day didn't happen. And I don't take it lightly that I was, you know, I was promoted for him.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's very very real, very intense. I think you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, we hear it all the time in terms of that kind of not realizing how fast things can change, like the complacency that sets in and just all sorts of different things, whether it's like, you know, we don't get fires anymore, or we've been to, you know, we talked uh, a lot in the IFF course about the fire alarms. This is your fifth time that you've been here and you're not even suiting up at all. Like yeah. just I think that that can get lost, especially on in the lull spots. I mean, you guys, bigger department and all the bigger departments, you, you get a, a little bit better in terms of that reminder constantly, where maybe you go, you go one shift, little fire. And you're like, Oh damn, like this is, this is crazy. And then, you know, us, it, it can be months, but the, the fire still fire. You know, and yep. that's, that's what we always we always talk about and say is the people that say oh, that stuff only happens in a big city. Like, no, you're in the bubble. If that's what you're saying, like you, that's, it it can happen
2: anywhere. Yeah. We just, we just have a lot of, what we have is like, um you know, I, I, that commission I was talking about who's since left, who's, you know, um that prior commission. used to talk about the job. He's like, you know, you have like, I think every job has that like five to 10%, you know, that just sucks. That you're never going to change that, you know, that that's just who they, who they are. And, you know, five to ten percent doesn't sound like that much, but when you talk about a, a department with you know fifteen to sixteen hundred members, it's still a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. but uh that's kind of funny because that's those are the guys i that's my when I teach i sure, I like teaching recruits and probies, which I haven't done that in a while, but my passion now is the field. I love teaching the guys in the field. I love teaching the members that are on duty, who don't want to be at training, who aren't into it as much who, you know, are disgruntled that they have, you know, that they even have to be there for, to do this drill. Those are the guys that I like trying to win over. And, you know, I'm I'm not massaging their backs or anything, but you know, there's a little bit of that, you know, it's how you approach it. And ideally it's with, you know, your personality. And um, I, you know, I'm just not one of those guys who can be an asshole. And, but, you know, I I, I guess I can be when I have to, but I haven't had to, thank God I haven't had to. It's, I just, hopefully they just see the passion and, that's why I kind of stay in my wheelhouse, too, though, whether it's, you know, the writ survival. And now my my new passion is new officer training. I love training new officers because I love passion, pa- you know, trying to pass on the passion and how mm-hmm. being a constant student, you know, being a sponge, being the forever probie. That's, yeah. uh, so I've taken that and trying to steer it towards new officer training. But when I say, like, I love teaching, it's, you know, it's it's those subjects. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be teaching hydraulics, I'll pop up. So, you know, that won't be a good class. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's extremely important and just getting that buy-in. I mean, it's what we, we see all the time and you, you see everywhere you go. I mean, I, I used to joke with, with one of my buddies who I went to a couple trainings with, like you'd sit there, we'd go, it doesn't matter where you go in the country. You start sitting over a couple beers and you know, everybody airs, airs their dirty laundry, talks about the stuff that they wish would be better. And you sit there listening you're like, are we on the same, same. department? Same. Like, is this is the same thing? So it's like it takes that one person to voice up. And be like, okay. Yeah, you've got that, but what are you going to do about it? Like, oh, you yeah. know, it, and it's it's just it all revolves around that buy-in. You hear from everybody. It's yeah, just, and
2: you can't control a lot of that stuff that happens above mm-hmm. you, like the changes, the new commissioner, the new chief of ops, the new chief of department, whoever, whatever yep. you call him. It's like a roller coaster. This guy's awesome. This guy's different. This guy sucks. This guy, you know, whatever it is. Like, all you can control is you you know, if you're an officer, all you control is your members. If you're a captain, your members and that house, you know, that's all yep. you can control. And you're that middle manager, you're that guy in the middle who has to kind of, you can't be, you know, sitting around the kitchen table and bitching and moaning about everything wrong with the job because once you become an officer, those those days are over. You got to be kind of like that, I don't know, like that middle man, like that middle management. Because mm-hmm. as we know, like in, you know, you've heard these. Things thrown out in leadership classes that, no, 90% of our issues aren't related to fire ground stuff. It's that Mm -hmm. the firehouse, the administrative side of the job that, you know, gets mundane and gets tough. And that's where you have to deal with a lot of your issues. So, yeah,
0: I think Mm -hmm. it was uh, I think it was Corley Moore when we were uh, Oshkosh. So, yeah, you want to come back to Wisconsin, I'll throw this out for I'm Soda City. Uh, they had their first year of training this year. It was it was cool. Yeah, I, 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 I
2: follow series. all those little. I'd love to get get to
0: these. I'd love to see who's yeah. teaching. Yeah, it, in, yeah it Sounds like they want to be bigger and better next year. So it's great. But a uh, great more was there and and talking and uh, he was you mentioned the fact of like and I think this goes kind of, especially what you were saying about finding the good in like those tragedies, but on a, on a lesser scale, like always trying to find the lesson. I mean, he talked about he's obviously he did his nine hours of leadership, so he's talking about leaders and how in throughout his career some of the people that he's learned the most from has been the bad leaders that he's had yeah. because he you know he's learned what to do what what not to do what what what, uh how to get through those tough times like there's you can always be a lesson that you can find in that and just really truthfully looking for that lesson constantly and not just there's always gonna be the gripes there's always gonna be the it feels good to get stuff off your chest but at the end of the day can you go back and be like okay but now what
2: yeah well i know this negativity can be tough you know around the firehouse is a lot of you know Kitchen table can be a rough place. You know, the kitchen table where I'm at now, there's actually two of them. It's freaking it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so got in water. The morning, in the morning, there's you know, there's the ten guys coming off shift and roughly ten coming on. This it's a big, you know, it's crowded. Yeah. <laughs> That's and awesome. My new fi- like, yes, I'm the captain, but I there's some things I don't have a say in. For some dumb reason, my new firehouse, the way they've always done it is the coffee hour in the morning at shift change is done in like Nearly complete darkness. The TV is on, but they have all the lights like really, <laughs> like it's even That's how ours to the too.
1: Table.
2: They Keep ease the, lights into the day.
0: Off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you gotta have got to have something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah we uh, just got one old kitchen table that we're hopefully gonna fall apart. A little little shift project or apartment project, but yeah, it's just that that place. I mean, uh, you've seen the episodes before. We'll we'll get into it. You know what we've deemed the kitchen table because all the. All the griping happens there. Some of the world solutions are there. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you could solve world hunger if you sat at the fire department kitchen table for like three days. You know, we'd oh, yeah. have it. We'd have it figured out. So it doesn't
2: it's, matter. It's Even awesome. yeah, I think we houses, to busy houses—they're all the same.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I've uh, been touching on everything there, but uh, this next one that we have is: what characteristics do you look for in a new recruit? So you say you aren't teaching as much new recruits nowadays, but uh, no, so, when you get somebody on, what are you looking for?
2: Yeah. So I. In Boston, there's only, um, as far as like new recruits, there's only one captain, you know, in training, and he's down in the academy as like the drill master, um, which is, you know, something I wouldn't mind doing someday. But yeah, that's another topic. But uh, <laughs> so, as far as lieutenant go, that's where a lot of the, 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 um, the options to teach recruits in the academy is the lieutenant position. It's a great spot for a new lieutenant to get assigned to the academy because not only do you relearn the whole job but you have a you know you have a direct influence on the probies and uh and i i guess generally teaching probies you know i I'm not saying a monkey could do it but you know, <laughs> they'll listen to anything they don't know yeah. anything so yeah um you tell them the sky is orange and they'll believe yeah. you. I but it's a is- great spot for a new instructor never mind yeah. just a new lieutenant but it's a great spot to kind of get your feet wet but as far as probies, so i i do have a probie now on my group um So I got to the files in January. He got to the files in December, and he was already on a different group. So I didn't mess with him at first, but then we had some guys who – we had a guy who get transferred out to a different files to slow down a little bit, and we just had to move some bodies. So long story short, I grabbed this probie a couple months ago and put him on my group, but since he's been there, he's had to go off to EMS class. So they basically took him out of the files for six weeks to go to EMS class to get his, you know, EMT basic. And then he came back from that. He basically went to driver's ed. We have like a driver's ed course for like a week. And then he's on vacation and now on vacation. So we really haven't really worked together much. So I'm excited to get back. Like I'm basically looking at mid-July as like he's like a new probie. He's like just first day in the files again because he's had so much time away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically like starting over again. And he's a little bit older. He's not um, – we have two probies um, in the house. He's 10 years older than the other one. So he's, you know, he's in his early 30s. So, you know, he, he's he got a little bit of more, you know, seasoned as far as like, he drove trucks or whatever. He's got, a, you know, a pretty good background as far as experience goes. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. And I get a chance to, like, have plenty of time to kind of plan in my head how I want that to go and uh, what we ex- expect. The beautiful thing about having a, a probie on your group is that Ideally, our group is set up where a lot of the stuff is delegated down. You know, I do have a great senior man uh, who's got, I think, 16 or 17 years on the job. Um, that's my senior man. The next guy has um, roughly 10 years in the fire service. He was on a different department before that. And then I have a guy with like four years who was just an ace. And uh, so now we have the probie. So it's a pretty good mix. And a lot of this stuff is going to be taken care of as like, what's the expectations go. Of what's you know what's he's expected to do by those members, and I just kind of make sure everything's getting done, and I can lead you know when I have to and jump in when I have to. But you're not always blessed like that. I know that because I've been at other firehouses where my previous spot as a captain, I think where I was when I met you guys, very slow house, great house, but completely different um, clientele. You know, a yeah. lot slower, um, way more laid back. Um, you know, we're talking three calls in twenty-four hours, like that kind of slow. Oh wow! Yeah, compared to where I am now, where I'm doing almost twenty. Yeah, 20, yeah, that's that's, that's
0: crazy. You can have that much of a difference. Like
2: i yeah. have one yeah, department, a like that's that's just yep. that's insane. One of the negatives about getting promoted again, you kind of, you know, just uh, slim pickings. Yeah. That spot, that but that spot, I will say, later in your career, if you just, it is an awesome spot. Oh yeah, it's just not where I wanted to be, and not where I think a probie should be for very long. Yeah. That's so, what we
0: call our, uh, our retirement homes around here. Yeah. That's, every department's got the retirement house. So. Oh yeah. Sorry. Right. And, and you know, everybody, you know, they, they all know it. everybody doesn't, you know, too, not too proud to admit it when you got there. We're a one station apartment, so not here, <laughs> but that's where you <laughs> hear everywhere is you got there. My dad retired in February. He was at the retirement house his last yeah.
2: half, year and a half. Doesn't mean like, he's a, doesn't mean he's lazy. Yeah,
0: doesn't exactly. Mean- it's just, you, you've served, you've served your time. It's yeah. not like, like we talked about the, the compliance, like, doesn't mean they're any less ready for the job. Nope. It's just they're not picking up grandma 17 times in one day. Exactly.
2: True. But I did have a probie there versus my probie now. The the probie I had at my previous house, the slow house, I had to be directly involved with everything every day because the other members in that group all had less than seven years on. It was an incredibly young group. So oh. I, you know, every day we would do a drill, and I'm the drills we're talking about 20, 30 minutes, nothing crazy. You know, I, I'm not a big – although I love training – I don't think it's necessary to just, you know, hours on hours, every tour. Um, But we did something every tour. And then we tried to do something on those, those infrequent runs, you know, as far as, you know, taking that run a little further, whether it was a medical or, you know, what it was, investigating an alarm. So we we took advantage of every little thing that we had. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on the road, driving around, grabbing coffee, doing a little district familiarization. You know, that's all training without really feeling like you're training. You know what I mean? Just kind of everybody's talking and kind of contributing. So, you know, that house, I definitely had to be more directly involved versus now it's a little bit more, it's nice having those guys below me that they're the ones who were cutting open roofs and stuff. And those are the guys who have been forcing doors. They've been at that, you know, ladder four for a little bit now. So I'm going to rely on them a little bit more at this house and then I'll step in as needed. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome. So I guess, you know, we, we kind of gave some long, long-winded uh, workarounds for it, but what, if you had to pick like one characteristic of that, you really look for like when you see it, when you're in the proby school, when you got one in, like what's the one that gets you going the most and most excited for that young firefighter?
2: I kind of touched on it earlier. And I feel like that, that mindset, that just that proby mindset, like not losing that spark, like Mm -hmm. yes, keeping your mouth shut, asking the right questions, not just asking stuff to ask it, not being a pain Mm -hmm. in the ass, but like, you can tell. You can see the passion in their face. You guys know it. Like, yeah. you guys both seem like you would be those guys. You know what I mean? You're obviously into the job, <laughs> but, you're not, but you're not strange weirdos. You're not, yeah. weird our, our
0: captain, I think our captain would uh, argue on the pain in the ass part, or especially uh, Brennan. I think you're a we're a big pain in the ass. <laughs> we guys, we got, you know, we're, we're a little bit slower. We have our uh, our shift camaraderie ways of picking on each other. So Brennan gets the brunt of it a lot, or our captain. But it's all it's all in good fun. So, yeah, it was yeah. it was funny there. But, yes, yeah, I know. Are you guys as on even, the same group? together yeah yeah we're on, on the same show we just got off awesome. this morning so yeah. oh, awesome. it's def- definitely definitely neat but yeah we got we got a kind of uniqueness in our probies in terms of how they're treated um like i mean they they for like you you experience how we talked about it's unique everybody drives everybody does everything like they kind of have to be a part of everything immediately. So like we there's still your, your little hazing. That's not hazing that happens. And, you know, you get everyone that, that shows up and, and keeps their mouth shut, does their, does their job in there. But definitely like, as soon as four o'clock hits our, our, after hours, like everybody's in, we make sure everybody's in the recliners. We're all, all relaxed and we're all just picking on each other and, and oh, enjoying yeah. that. So I mean, would think it was just funny. I saw Brendan smile as well. When you talk about not being a pain in the ass, thinking about the, what
2: we, what we put our captain and Brennan through. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh-huh. that, that's but that's good. I can already tell all you guys to get along. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. the worst thing you can do is have you know a firehouse where there's one guy in the patrol desk, one guy by himself in the kitchen, one guy in the bedroom, one guy in the office. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not what you don't want. And luckily, the last two houses I've been at, you know, even though it was a slow house, everybody was out front. It was a very busy area where people were, the people watching was insane. So you know, everybody was out front. The camaraderie was great. But this yeah, one good. particular probie that I had there, you know, like. And it wasn't just for show. There could be different times where I'd walk by the patrol desk and this kid was always in the maps, always looking at his routes. um, Just always doing the right, always picking up a broom at the right time. Yeah. Just like, I noticed this and then I pulled him aside because I felt bad. Like I get attached to the, you know, like you get attached to the guys, you know, and I didn't want to leave them just because, you know, they did something wrong. When I put in for ladder four and left engine eight, it wasn't because I, I didn't want to work with those guys anymore. Ideally, I wish I could have took them all with me. Um, but they were happy there. But this one particular kid, this Proby, um, he had just finished his year. His year was up. And uh, I said, listen, this is a great house, you know, but you don't belong here. You know, and he, like, didn't want to come out and say that initially to me. But he had been thinking about that for a while. He's like, oh, I'm glad you said that. He's like, I do love it here, but I just want to be busy and blah, 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 blah. So I, I, I tried to do everything out of my power, like, through different captains that I know. To like, hey, we got to get this kid a, a good spot. So, if he puts in for your company and he's second or third on the list, would you be willing to take him? And I, you know, I tried to do my best to vouch for him, and, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. He, he got a, you know, a very busy engine. He's gonna get a lot more opportunities to go to fires and a lot yeah. more opportunities to go to elevator calls and this and that, trolley incidents. So that kid's, you know, <laughs> I'm at ladder four and I see yes. him every now and then because our districts kind of uh, butt each other. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, and I really don't know this this kid that I have now. Uh, very well, because we've, again, we've had this schedule where I haven't been able to work with him yeah. much. But, you know, come mid July, I'm looking to you know do that same thing.
0: Yeah, you you just brushed over it, and I feel like I got to touch on it because you know it, it's something unique to Boston. I I have my my annual sliver, so I got to go down there quite a few times. But or over there, technically, I guess it is down. But um trolley incidents. What what are you referring to by that? Like what kind of how many how often do you get? uh incidents, accidents, whatever it be with those trials. Like to me, that's just I'm just curious
2: now. Yeah, um, that's
0: nothing that we would ever deal with.
2: Right. So certain parts of the city has um, you know, we have our subway system, you know, and then we have our bus system. But then we also have a trolley system that, you know, not like a little bit like San Francisco, what they have on the outside. You know, they yeah. just, they're connected to wires above and they kind of they're just basically an above ground subway. But yeah. the cars are a little bit different looking, subway, the subway uh, car the trolley cars. And this, they happen to go right in f- front of uh, certain firehouses. And the one that I that kid got a chance to go to, um, that's where his house is. So they definitely deal with them. Like there's guys in our job who've never had a trolley incident. But then there's other guys who, you know, maybe once every couple of weeks, they're having somebody whose foot gets run over or a bike gets hit oh, or a derailment or, you know, someone's pinned underneath. So, yeah. Uh, so unless you're on a heavy rescue or one of those firehouses right there, you know, it's pretty unique as far as, you know, yeah. a run or a call. Right? just to those certain areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, as you say, it's so casually, I was like, it's just, it's hilarious. Like you said, there's very few places where you would ever run into something like that. So it's just kind of, kind of cool to hear the things that would happen there, what that actually entails. So.
2: But no different than like a guy who works downtown versus a guy who works in one of our neighborhoods. The guy in the neighborhood might not do it, might do one elevator call a year. Another guy might do five a shift. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're downtown. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, this next one that
0: we got down here, uh, you were talking about how one of your new passions is, um, teaching those new officers. So kind of perfect question for that. Um, what should new leaders, both unofficial and official, um, if they're, you got different advice for each or one more to touch on, uh, main focus be when it comes to the crew. So like we've said, when you earn your respect and you show up, how you run the crew, um, you've talked about being that sponge, but, kind of yeah. what else would be your your key key
2: thing as a as a leader that you should be focusing on i'd focus on what what they want like what they need um and they, again you have to take a little bit of time so you'd be that little bit of a sponge like i said initially kind of taking it all in um when i was first appointed lieutenant i was at the academy and then i eventually got my first spot out in the field i was on ladder 24 which is Again, downtown, because, you know, when you're a new officer, it's those downtown companies are a little bit easy to get. You know, there's a little bit more turnover as far as, you know, offices are kind of in and out because, you know, you're busy, but you're really not going to much fires. You know, you're running all day, but, you know, not many fires. Yeah. Anyway, um, this house also had a big turnover as far as its age. It was a very young house, like multiple members from one class being sent to this house at once, like five to seven guys from one drill class all oh, being wow. sent to the same house. So it was, it was good because I my, that was my first spot, and I knew a lot of these guys from the academy. Um, and one of the things that I, I did there that I've done a couple times since, and ideally if I get to a certain point in my career and training, I would like to try it again, is that I took like an informal poll. Like I just – in the kitchen table one day, I'm like, hey, guys, there's a yellow sticky notes um, on the table. Do me a favor. Give me a couple options of something you want to get better at or something you'd like to train on. And, you know, and I said, when you're done with it, just throw it in this very little bucket, like a little trash bucket. I said, just throw it in there. And I did that on every group at shift change. And I slowly got all these uh, little notes in there. You know, some of them guys messing with me, but <laughs> you know, I just kind of collected them and I went through them and I just kind of tallied them up. Let's say I had like 20 something responses. There might've been like 12 associated with, I wish I was better at elevators or I wish I was, I got to, Physically cut something other than just starting the saw in the morning, you know. Like, and I said, this is perfect. So I, you know, I had an end with the training division, and I said, hey, listen, I just took an informal poll, and this is what the guys want to do. This is what they want to see. So that kind of led to an introduction to elevated class for our job, and that led to a roof cutting class. You know, because if you're downtown, you're not cutting many roofs. You know, yeah. what I mean, you're still checking the tools every morning, but the opportunity to cut a roof it really doesn't happen as much. So a lot of guys aren't really good at cutting roofs, not because they're not good at it. It's just because they haven't had the opportunity. So yeah. what I'm saying is as a leader, you can kind of informally, like just find out what they want, what they need. You know, um, that previous commissioner, when he first uh, took over, he spent, I think it took him like two months. He visited every firehouse, every group, just an informal, you're out of service for a half hour. When he showed up, he just took right at the kitchen table. Like, what do you guys want? What do you guys <laughs> need? What would you like to see? And he informally did that over a span of two months and he kind oh. of directed the way the department went. And I tried to do that on a much smaller level. I think yeah. he stole my idea. But I'm <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope to have that kind of say, you know, cause I'm at the point of my career. I, I love being on ladder four. Um, you know, I'm finally at a spot, you know, as a captain, it took me three years to get a you know really busy spot, but I know as I get closer to the end, I, I do want to do something different. I want to pivot and I want to, I would love to have more of a say on where training goes for the whole job, you know, and I've been lucky enough to be involved in all different things now. And I do have like some input, but I I would not that I want to leave the firehouse, but I think that I just want to see, I've always said this. I just love when people embrace the position they're in, you know, whether it's the firehouse you got sent to that's slow or fire prevention division, because there's no spots for you in the field and you get stuck in fire prevention as a new officer I love when guys embrace whatever role they're in and I love seeing guys actually want to be in that position rather than just, you know, it's great to make the best of it, of course, but I want to see, I love when guys put in for stuff that they really want to do. And sometimes it's not in the field. You can have a huge impact. I think if you have the right guys in the right spots at that admin level, you know, who have a direct impact with tactics, equipment, things of that nature. Yeah.
1: They got to be passionate about it.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Find, finding what you're passionate for. I mean, we've we've talked about talks about it quite a few times about how you know nowadays in the fire service it's a lot more than just firefighting. I mean, you throw in the giant the giant monster that is EMS like on top of everything. But there's you know car accidents, trolley accidents, elevator stuff. <laughs> like there's just the, everything you've got to be prepared for. And you know, yeah. being, having that passion is going to let you learn it all and not just go on the crutch of like, oh, well, we're we're you know, I'm a firefighter. That's that's all I do.
2: Like, yes. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. And it, it can get tough, you know, keeping that passion up. Like right now at ladder four, we, the reason why we're the busiest truck in the city and the busiest engine is, you know, in the same district is that we have a, just like a lot of big cities and small towns, there's a very huge uh, opioid epidemic going on. So there's this one area of the city that's not the nicest area um, right near my firehouse that we, we're talking hundreds to almost a thousand people a day kind of, Living in tents oh, like a tent yeah. city, you know ladder four is on pace I think to do over fifty five hundred runs by the end of this year if we continue this pace up wow so we're, we're you know we're a thousand runs more than any other company because we also run with a bunch of single engine houses but the opioid epidemic is it, it it's really taxing like we're 20 runs a shift eight runs after midnight all to the same spot, and that wears on the guys that yeah. As a boss, you got to kind of like talk about being upbeat and trying to have a good spin on it. Because, you know, even your your best, strongest firefighters, they get beat down and it's up to you as the boss. It's up to you as that senior man to kind of to see the big picture that this won't go on forever. And it may seem like it's only getting worse, um, but it's it's tough right now. Responding to that 10 city area. It's I mean, just to be honest, it's disgusting. It's like a lot worse than people think. And I know big like LA has the same issues. Seattle, New York City, maybe you guys have it too, um, in your own much little smaller, way. Yeah, much smaller yeah. scale. But yeah, but it's 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 pretty tough. And because when I came on, when I was appointed to Ladder 15, I remember Ladder 15 being, if not the number one or the number two busiest truck, meaning like between like 3,700 runs and 4,000 runs a year, that was the busiest truck. But then once that opioid epidemic hit. Companies in that area added 1,500 to 2,000 runs to each apparatus. So ladder four may have been 3,000 runs 20 years ago. Now they have 5,500, you know. So. But there are some benefits to that. The people in that firehouse at ladder four and engine 14, or the people at engine 21 where I was a lieutenant, you know you're going to get destroyed every shift. So <laughs> if guys who are there love being there because yeah. you do have the opportunity to go to fire's you know, it's, it's, it's one of the busier fire districts. So there are obviously benefits to being there. Yeah, but you got to put up with a lot. You do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, we, I think we, we mentioned that every single podcast, but that's one of the nice things about like our department is, you know, not like we said, not to that scale, um, but we've talked about how many calls we run, but you just see so many places where you get burnt out. And especially like around here in, in the Wisconsin area, there's a lot of departments where like, it's, it's a promotion basically each time. So, like, you start on as a medic and you're on the EMBO and you're on the EMBO every single shift that you come in. And, like, yeah, if a fire comes in, you know, you probably got a pack on the EMBO. You get to actually go be a firefighter if you pick up some overtime or whatever. Yep. But for the most part, like, you're always on that. And that I think that just leads to such burnout and such lack of, like, compassion for that because, yeah, like, for us, you know, we're on the EMBO twice every six shifts. And then, you know, we get to come in, we get to be uh, – Firefighter, driver, truck driver, whatever it be, but it's just I think it you hold on to that compassion for so much longer because it's it's not like I got seven years of this shit. It's I got one more shift of this. Yeah. And I'm (laughs) that I'm just that I'm just here. I'm I'm a firefighter. I get to go along for the cool calls, do all the fun stuff, and then you know, so because it's 90% of it is just the stuff that gets taxing. Not that it's not important to that patient, which is I think the biggest thing of keeping that compassion is. It may be the 16th time you've been there or you've seen them four times in the last like week and you're just sick of being there. But to them, it could mean everything. Like it's oh, yeah. got a, a genuine problem going on or maybe they are a, a shit bag that's just making <laughs> or use, using the system to its advantage. But for the yeah. most part, they they really do want you there. And you got to have that level of compassion, even if you don't want to show it.
2: Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And luckily, I, mean, I want to say luckily, but in Boston, the ambulance is a separate city agency. So we have Boston EMS; they're not part of the fire department. Yeah. So we go on, when we go on a medical call, we get to oh, the ambulance is here. All right? We're all set. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of spoiled in that way. Um, but the, what those guys see on a daily basis right now, and a lot yeah. of those ambulance services across the country, where well, that's all they do. Man, they yeah. they are the real hero. I mean, that is that's some tough work.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, brent Brent and I both worked private in in Milwaukee. um and it's it's just insane. It's a whole nother another animal, like you said, it's just having that and nothing but that, nothing to break it up. you know yeah. not not any none mostly even not any of the firehouse like camaraderie. like a lot of the people there they're there for a stepping stone, but even if you've got great people that you're working with out of one station. At least for me, like I, I barely saw the station. You know, I yeah. was running. That's he's out in the rig. Yeah, if we weren't if we weren't on a like nine one one call, we were running in a facility. Like, you yep. know, it's just you don't have that. You got your partner, and if you got if you got a, a bad partner, you know that makes the shift go on a long time. So I was lucky enough to have some really good ones there, but there there was days that it just felt like it wasn't going to end. Yep, I can only
2: imagine. Yeah. So. All
0: right, yep. uh, next one that we got in here. This is one that I I kind of came up with or we, when you touched on it earlier is obviously you're, you know you're a busy guy you talked about you've you've been doing this stuff for a while and getting all your bubble going all these trainings and instructing and all that how have you found the best to manage kind of your private life and that fire life that's a lot of time away from the families but married 25 years you or married 23 years you know you you've you've done it you found a way to do it obviously
2: yeah um well so give kudos to the wife so hopefully she watches this no uh honestly i couldn't do it without her i mean she's she's she does everything um you know this i'm in the basement right now and she when i'm at work she's painting this whole basement she installed like laminate floor by herself in three in three different rooms while i was at away a couple weeks ago yeah she's 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 the real uh the real boss in this house but she does a lot <laughs> um but you know I get. I think I told you. I you know I grew up in the city. Was born and raised in the city, but now we live in a little bit of the sticks. We're in the boonies a little bit, and we did that because she was able to when we decided to have children, kind of give up her career and you know become a full time mom, and so she's able to be home with the kids. So we're not relying on her to work a full time job. So that gives me a little bit of flexibility, especially as the kids have gotten older, to kind of get away and teach as much as I can. Um, and you know that has a lot to do with it. Is you know her commitment to the children initially has led to me being able to teach now you yeah. um, know so that's the 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 trade off i don't mind driving a long commute because it enabled us to so she didn't have to work you know obviously the further you get away from the city the more affordable it is so that works yeah. for us guys i work with think i'm nuts that i live that far away but whatever i mean it works for how, us how far away do you live just right, out of curiosity what i mean it's over an hour but with traffic in the city, if I teach a class during the day, it could take me three hours to get home. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, un-
0: unheard of around here. You've got some people that uh, do stuff like that. I mean, like going back to my private life, I know there was two people that worked down in Milwaukee with me that lived up in the Green Bay area. So like when they came down, that was like two and a half hours. And, you know, they'd come down in snowstorms and stuff and it would take them three, four hours. And to come down to Milwaukee, to work a private ambulance where you're running nonstop and then have to go back. Like, it's just, it, it's crazy. But yeah. a lot of them had that exact same reasoning of it was, you know, best for their family or where their, their significant other wanted to be. And it's just, so making finding that trade off and making that is, I think, yeah. You, you. yeah and,
2: and I like the I don't mind the, I like being, I like the long ride. I like listening to sports talk. I like having my coffee. I like kind of mentally getting ready to for work. Yep. and You know, I try to do all my, uh my thinking and, you know, getting ready for the day. I, I I touch on it every now and then when I teach too. that, that's, that's my part of my size up. Like just getting mentally ready for the day. Like I, you would not believe like how much you can get done. Just those long commutes, you know, if you take advantage of it, you know, whether it's podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, most of them when I'm driving or if I go for walks, because I'm I'm a middle-aged man now. So I go for walks. (laughs) 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 I do too yeah
0: yeah no that's yeah i got a 25 minute drive and that's what i've always said is my favorite is having that you know that little bit of time to separate work from from yep. our life so oh, yeah but so that's you you figured it out you, you did that so i want to make sure we, we touched on that because yeah like give you a chance to, to give credit or credit to it's awesome yep. to hear but you know very very busy man and very successful family and happy family so it's great oh, thanks, to hear bro.
2: Yeah. And it's all, honestly, it's all because of the, of the wife, her being a, her ability to stay home with the kids and stay on top of them throughout school. And, you know, my oldest was, you know, they're both very good students, but my oldest was lucky enough to get a scholarship, you know, to a, you know, a very prestigious school. And that's yeah. honestly, if my wife wasn't home throughout their childhood, not saying that wouldn't have happened, but it would have been a lot harder, you know? Yeah. She doesn't take her eye off the eight ball and she's, you know, She's not a helicopter mom, but she's, she's, she's awesome at what she does. And, you know, we're one for one so far. we got one more on the way to get to college in a couple of years. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you know, Hopefully <laughs> they, they take
0: after, after her, not, not your uh, college. Oh, stent, yeah. right? um, <laughs> we'll see. Well, yeah. So that, that kind of concludes our, our main questions that we got there. So then we got, you know, the two hard ones um, that are coming from every guest. So, uh if you if you watch them or whatever we kind of explain each time we've got our last two questions that we have are the one that's asked from the previous guest so he w- didn't ask it on the podcast he had to come up with it uh, afterwards got a little stumped a little bit but we got that one and then we'll follow up with uh you asking a question for the next guest so question that Blatt from our last episode had is if you could change one thing in the fire service what would it be
2: I, I, that's a tough one. That's a good one because I have a thousand things I want to say. And I touched on, look, I wish that there was. So you guys are in Beaver Dam, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are in the middle of Wisconsin. I'm in Boston. We only know each other because of training. Like I wish that there was opportunities or like where it was just, it's almost like, a, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain this, but like if I didn't train, if I didn't travel, I wouldn't have met this guy or that guy or this guy. And I didn't, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't do that. And it's amazing how that network just explodes the more you train, the more guys you meet. But there's a lot of people on my job and I guarantee you on your job who aren't going to leave their bubble, you know, but maybe if it was more of like a, like, I know we're all connected to the international union, you know, for the most part, but I wish there was more of a connection, you know, from big city to the city next door. Like there's really like everything ends at the borders for the most part, you know, most places, you know what I mean. I know yeah. you guys do mutual aid, but what I'm saying is like outside your little bubble. And I've, well, I've used bubble a lot and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, I wish there was a way that others can benefit that just don't know about like what we're doing right now. You know, this is this is fun. You know, like mm-hmm. this isn't. You know, this is fun stuff. This is not hard. We're talking about our passion for the job, mm-hmm. and a lot of guys on our, my job will never know that. And I wish there was a way like that we sent we automatically sent 15 people to FDIC every year. We always send five guys to enter the job. We always send guys down to Kurt Isaacson for this or that. I wish there was a way to do that, like where you get promoted, oh, you're off to take the doors heavy rescue training in Syracuse, you know what I mean? Oh like there was a way that we reached out of our little little network and just yeah. you know, there's so much to learn from really good folks out there, small towns, big big cities. There's, there's so much to learn, and I wish there was a way that more people got to take advantage of that, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, you hear it, like we said, everywhere you go, there's the people that – you know, my, my favorite comment, you hear it at every single training is, oh, the person that needs to hear this isn't here. Like, And right. so, you, like, they, they don't have – you not only don't have that, but you don't have that connection that comes. So what, what you're referring side. to – I mean, you've already seemed like you've got your eyes sight or your uh, sight set on that big picture of having that training in Boston. But I think that that definitely does sound like a solution where you almost make it, you know, not mandatory, but like you said, when you get promoted, you have to go to here. So it, yeah. it does force that person's hand, who maybe they feel all that bringing they're,
2: those people in. Like I, yeah. I think it's huge to bring them in. You know, like for a long time in our job, we we thought nobody's this is Boston. We're the best. No, nobody's. You know, they, a lot of cities yeah. think like that. Um. And, you know, we're not the best, you know, like we have a lot to learn, you know, And we have some unbelievable folks, but we have some like your little shit bags, you know, we have, (laughs) have but yeah, that's (laughs) ideally that's why I'm, when I talk about training and in the future, I would hopefully that my network, I would share, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I would just like to, to bring folks like, like you guys, Like, like, you I wish everybody realized how great it is to have what we have, and like how many people would kill to be in our spots. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, yeah. that means something. For sure. you know? Best job I ever had. Yep. Yeah.
0: It's,
2: it's true and true
0: again every single time. Just the more you get, the more you dive into it. How many people just are are there for everybody? Just because yep. we share that one
1: brother and sisterhood. Yeah, that we all yep. share.
0: Like just you there's so many times you just wish that could like extend to the real life where people have have this kind of stuff like oh yeah just just because we share a job like you know we you could have no no nothing in common with any of these other people but you're both firefighters you could sit out at the bar and, like close the bar just talking yeah. countless hours about just that
2: even it's what we're doing favorite. right now there's there's folks on my job would be like what are you doing <laughs> what you're talking about fight like what yeah oh yeah yeah like oh, they don't even crazy. know there's a whole world they don't know about. Like that's yeah. you know of just guys like yourselves and we're just into it, you know. And just you know, you're not. I, I said it earlier, really, you're not some. We call them Spocks, like guys who're into the job, like that aren't on the job, like Spock widows. We we New call, New York, them call them Farkles. buffs. You know,
0: we call them Farkles
2: around farkles. Uh, where we are. Yeah, <laughs>
0: So that's 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 what we call. Them,
2: but yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's awesome.
2: So. Yeah. Right, Cause I'll get so, that every now and then I'll get that like, man, you're a real spocky. I'm like, no, I didn't even <laughs> want to be a fireman growing up, but I, like, I embraced it. I, I, I didn't know anything about it. And I was lucky enough to fall into like this job and, you know, I'm diving in head first, you know, even though I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's just time and time. It's fantastic. So now, now you got the, the hardest question of them all, or at least historically it has been. So, Uh, What question do you have uh, for our next guest that you wish that you asked as a new firefighter or that you currently
2: have? Okay. What do I wish I, um, huh? That is a tough one. I I know that I have regrets and I, I wish maybe I didn't ask, but I wish I did. I wish I did go to an engine. I wish I did go to a neighborhood firehouse. You know, I wish, uh, you know, because on on our job in a lot of cities, I would imagine that the downtown firehouse is a lot different than the neighborhood firehouse, completely different, you know, uh, responses, what you go to as far as construction, the way the fires are, fires downtown. When we did have them, they were a lot more, there's a lot more involved, there's a lot more chiefs, there's a lot more, there's standpipes, there's a lot of this stuff involved. When you go to a neighborhood firehouse, you're talking one room, bread and butter, like high five and, you know, like just. In and out fires, like, bang, nice and easy, like like I said, bread and butter, like we, we can do this. Downtown, they were less frequent. And when we did have them, they were just always something crazy. And I don't know. I never experienced um, the neighborhood firefighting. I did as a lieutenant and a captain, but not never as a firefighter. And I would, I wish someone said, you need to get out of your bubble here. You need to try something else. This place is awesome. Kind of what I helped this young kid at my previous firehouse. Like, yeah, you're a good kid. You need to try this. And I kind of that's because I wish somebody did that to me. I wish somebody said, "Hey, here we go again. Get out of your bubble. And try <laughs> something different." You know. Um, and then there's other people who said, "No, I, I, you're past, I love this house. The pride. Why would I leave?" I get it. There's some you might have been blessed with the best spot ever, right out of the right out of the gate. But unless you try other things, you'll never know that. So. I've tried a lot. I've tried an engine. I've tried a rescue. I've tried a truck. I've tried training. You know, the only thing I haven't done is a tower unit or the Marine unit, which I'm all set with both.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So then what, what would be kind of the way that you would want to ask So our next guest is Sean Duffy. How would, uh, how would you, what would you like to ask him as that young one?
2: Hmm. Uh, You know what, Why, why are you here? Like, why, why are you here? No, no, really. Like, it may be because he chased yeah. fire trucks. And I, I happened to meet him once. I, he probably doesn't remember. But maybe he did chase fire trucks his whole, like, youth. But why are you here? Like, what's your why? Yeah. We, Me and my buddy, when we teach office development, he loves that topic, going around to the different offices. What, what, what's your why? Why are you here? Why are you sitting here right now? You know, it could be a million different reasons. It could be financial. Yeah. It could be that I want to be a boss. i you know, I, I just want to keep moving up the chain. Like, why are you here? Why are you probing? Why are you at my house? Like, you know, yeah. uh, maybe just find out his why, you know? Yeah.
0: Hmm? I, I, was, I was laughing because that was uh, Jeremy Sanders, our first guest. That was his question for Blatt's was, uh, why Why are you here? Oh, so Jesus that was, yeah. Damn. It got, no, it, it was great. It, it's a great question because it's got, um. you know, it got gets blasting. And I think it is one that you don't hear because everybody, you know, you say, oh, why, why are you here? Oh, I want to help people. No, that's probably not why you're actually here. You know, nobody decides really to do this job just because they they woke up one day and was like, I really like helping people. Like, there's a lot of things that lead you to this specific job. And yep. like what one of our, uh, our friends, he's going to be a uh, guest on here later this year. He says all the time is, you know, if your only reason that you're here is to help people, that's where you get burnt out. Because you have to have something other than that. Because, you know, we, we don't help people every single day. We have those nuisance calls. We have that where you don't feel like you're doing something. So you've got to have a true passion as to why you wake up and go to work every morning than just helping people. Because, unfortunately, you know, people let you down. You know, it, it's that's just how how things go. So I think it, it sparks so much conversation, just that simple question.
2: Yeah. All right. Hopefully. So yeah. you know, yeah. hopefully Sean is, uh, gives you a very elaborate, he'll probably ask the same question to the next fellow. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hopefully people <laughs> yeah. don't uh, use that as a fail safe. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. Yeah. Always sparks some good conversations. So that, uh, that closes all the questions that we have for you. So next, like, like we talked about, we just got our, our kitchen table portion. So anything that either, you know, sparked your mind during the podcast on what, you know, Brennan's got anything to throw in there, just, you know, some calls that you want to touch on anything that, that you feel that you didn't get a chance to share that you would like to share and can start. I mean, kind of, you know, kitchen table bullshittery that happens.
2: So, um, yeah, I feel like I was all over the place. So yeah, (laughs) we have touched on a little bit of everything and just not the best order, but, uh, no, yeah. Um, I, I would suggest that you guys, um, keep, keep pushing this out there. There's probably still a lot of people who don't know about it. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I've seen other people do it where they do the kind of show at different training sites. That'd be great to see you guys at different, like when you go to into the job or whatever, maybe you can, you know, do your show from there and get a lot of new listeners. And I, I, I I love seeing this, you know, like I, like, you know, like I said, I met you guys a year ago, you know, and a lot has changed since then. Like where you guys are now and where I am in my career. And in that span, I, you know, I happen to lose my dad. Actually, it's kind of funny, like kind of strange is that it was during the Beaver Dam class that, I got a call from my dad saying he had cancer and you know oh, wow. and within a year he passed, you know, so a lot changed that right, you know. Yeah. And I was extremely lucky in my family, extremely lucky. I lost two grandmothers well into their 90s, but other than that, you know, I'm almost 50 years old, and this was the first one to really like, you know, take our family by storm. So yeah, I mean, but I'll never forget that. I'll always associate finding out when I was in Beaver Dam, you know, like <laughs> so. It's it's uh it's
0: kind of a in, not not the best. No, just that like that we want I have to on really, yeah.
2: when I talked about um, Eddie and the the line of duty. Yeah, topic, yeah. I'll never forget why I got promoted and who I got promoted for. I mean, yeah. you can find good in, in a lot of this stuff. And <laughs> yeah. Well, did you did you at least get a sweatshirt while you were there
0: when we talked about uh, from uh, that bar so that you have you have some? Something- no,
2: we not a, not a sweatshirt. I got uh, those. What do you call them? Uh, koozies. You got a koozie hey, from it? Okay, yes. all right.
0: Yes. I know that was what we had said. You got you to gotta stop by and pick up so you can have one of those to show. So,
2: it's- that, so Beaver Dam was also the place that we went to a restaurant. I don't know. What was it? A Friday? I don't know. TJ Fridays or a Chili's or one of those kind of places you guys had near a hotel. App- what is it? Applebee's? Applebee's. Okay. It, do, you, uh, do you guys have an Applebee's
0: there? That, that- we, yeah, we do. I, I don't know if it's – what hotel did you stay in? It was kind of terrible, but I don't want to say that. it. probably Okay. Actually, then it probably was uh,
2: Benvenuto's. No, it was a chain. I can't, whatever it was, we watched okay, Yeah, we watched the chef because we were in the bathroom. We watched the chef use the bathroom and I'm not saying the urinal, and then go right into the kitchen and bypass the sink. And oh, the
1: man. That sounds like Applebee's in town. It's just pretty, a shithole. Of- <laughs> <laughs> it is a shithole. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So there's another you think I'll never forget, we beaver dam.
0: Uh, great. Hopefully, uh yeah, all their uh, reviews are gonna start plummeting. We're gonna get uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, you, you lost that sponsorship.
1: Sorry. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully
0: the, the uh, fire department doesn't get a phone call complaining ever. <laughs> <laughs> but no that's yeah, that's yeah, that that, that sounds about right. We have like so no I thought this was a kitchen,
2: that,
1: yeah, yeah, oh, it exactly. a kitchen table. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, that's good.
0: Exactly. No, it's, yeah. that's that's awesome, yeah. I think I uh, th- I'm thinking you guys stayed in uh, one of the hotels that just got renovated.
2: No, um, it was it was a nice hotel. It was one of the first times we that I stayed with the, the Cadre that wasn't Oh. The, the yep, chain.
0: yep, it actually yes, definitely over by Applebees. Yeah. I, yep. I know I know. It was we,
2: nice cuz they let us Yeah, it was during COVID. Like, it was kind of during the COVID time, yeah. right? Still like people were a little strange still. Um but yeah. They is were the nice one with the uh,
0: Is it the one with the free complimentary beer banner? That's on the Yes. List? That's- yep.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. <laughs> did you get your beer? We did every night. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's what I mean. I, that's what I liked about that place. So this is with the camaraderie. Like every night after class, we all met in the lobby for the free beer. But it wasn't about that. It was we just we we would all hang out and do kind of our after action for the day of class, and then we'd go upstairs and shower and get ready to go to Applebee's. But uh <laughs> no, but that's part of the training too. Like when I talked about FDTN the best part about FTTn is the dinners. It's the, he has a bunk room there that he's, he, it's like 20 got 20 instructors staying in the bunk room. Jeez. Oh, yeah. That's, it's like a big giant firehouse, you know, yeah. where that's everybody awesome. is like Mike Lombardo, Sandy Lassa, Jim McCormick, Timmy Klett, like all these guys that you would love to take a class from. They're all like, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, and, and I'm yeah. grateful to be there. And like I said, I'm I keep my mouth shut, you know, other than, you know, when Guys are you know messing with me, but you
0: know <laughs> so Yeah, that's I mean we we talk about that's it may be just a uh Wisconsin thing, or at least you know, we like our beer. But uh that's there's so many trainings now that are popping up. Brennan was just that one uh was it last weekend or the weekend before? Uh mm-hmm. where it was it was at a bar and it was uh you can you can talk about a little oh. bit, Brennan, but
1: yeah, Clyde Gore and Mo Davis. Well, oh okay. yeah, O'Connor, I, Walk. JD is yeah, putting it on. Yeah, so it was at a brewery. I forgot the brewery's name, but no, it was a very good um kind of talk and kind of leadership kind of culture stuff. It was probably the best presentation that I've ever went to. So those guys are those guys are having down in Houston. Um, so it was it was very good. Meeting I met a couple different du- dudes from um Oshkosh and stuff kinda of get my networking out and uh Yeah. Yeah, they're very very humble guys, so it was very good. Very good training.
2: Oh. that's great that's great that, i know that's yeah. it, it only takes some motivated guys to bring those guys you know to the area and that's mm-hmm. I, like i said ideally some at some point i'll hopefully i'll have a chance to to you know to bring some fresh faces to you know my job you know mm-hmm. or yeah. some fresh ideas um,
0: yeah sure. yeah. you you bring the bring the beer and everybody comes
2: so that's oh yeah it's, it's, i like the it. idea of the, uh, the the tactics on tap i've seen that promoted yeah. before yeah. I, I like that that's just a great idea a good concept yeah, yeah we had
0: the first sawdust they had the uh they call it brotherhood bash um so yep. that was the night before so the the convention was actually just the one day but then if you went up on friday like Brennan and i did um it was just there was a small presentation uh out at uh the bar and hour long and then just hanging out drinking beers and yep. just Talking to everybody, they had a bunch of the presenters that were going to be there the next day. Just everybody that was attending the conference, like, it's just, it's it, you learn so much, you do so much networking, so much connection, and it's it's just the the best part. I mean, it's the so best much fun. part of it. Yep, it's yeah. that stuff
2: that's after, and it's not all about the drinking. I mean, I love, trying. yeah, I love, I love beer myself. Um, <laughs> the guy, the guy. but um, no, but it's it's not more you know about that. It's it's, it's again, it's it's that. The dinners you have, you know, like, the company, uh, yeah. Or the other big day at FTTN is when you're setting up the props. Same thing with the IFF when you're building the props the day before, or you're, mm-hmm. you're breaking it down after. Like that's when a lot of the stuff is done too. And and I, I pick up a lot. you know, those at FTTN, like I said, my station is next to the um, Asheville and Charlotte uh, firefighters who run the survival program, and man, it's just just great guys. You know, just oh, yeah. unbelievable guys. And then you get the the can next to us is the search guys with the Christiana, you know, Delaware guys and Mike Lombardo. And it's just unique. And then you get the basement guys behind us and the holders guys. And, you know, every like group has their little like cadre guys. that That's their specialty. You know, yeah. they have the forceful entry weirdos, you know, across the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tell you what, that forceful entry house kicks your ass.
2: Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun that is i tried it as just uh messing around when they built it the first camp uh sandy lasso was like come on kenny let's do this and i'm like what he's like let's do it get your pack on i'm like oh man you know it was at the end of the day after we built props <laughs> and everybody's watching to see how it plays out and i was i was like man this thing is hot <laughs> hey you're hot in there oh yeah, yeah. sounds awesome. good so, yeah that's what makes jim's play special it's the forceful entry that you're doing is basic. The rich skills that you're doing, the survival skills you're doing, they're all basic, super basic stuff, but they're done under conditions that you have never experienced in training before, more than likely uh-huh. in training. So it's like I always say it's basic skills under less than ideal conditions. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. And that changes everything. It does. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was great stuff, like,
0: from your IFF course. Like you said, you know, it wasn't the most – uh, you know, ass kicking of a course, but no. I mean, I, I can tell you, anytime that we're doing a fire training, boa is thrown out more than that, oh, yeah. more than anything else. Like that, that's that was one that absolutely stuck. It was one that stuck with me because I, I I saw the benefits of it. We went through the confidence course. I mean, I was working myself up. I I think it was the smaller hole that I like. I was getting one of my things stuck and
2: taking that breath. Yeah, you get all you get all kind of like you know you get aggravated yep. and everybody's watching. You yep. know you're into the job, so you're like you don't want to look like an idiot. You know, yeah. trust me i've been there that's what i'm saying like i like being uncomfortable i like put my stuff in situations like that like that's what i want to continue to do even though i'm late in my career and you know i'm gonna be 50 this year i, I still like you know i still like kind of putting you know my money where my mouth is you know what i mean like so yeah absolutely yeah i don't want you shouldn't be teaching anything unless you've done it you know what i mean that's yeah. my model. like you know yeah absolutely yeah, that's great and I, I kinda argued, you know, I, before we wrap up, I butted heads with a couple of the cadre members about like once you leave your job, you know, like how long should you stay on the cadre? Like how like if you've been gone for the job from ten years, like you're talking about searching and survival and yeah. maybe it's time to, you know, like get some new blood, you know what I mean? Like a lot a lot can change. A lot yeah, does. absolutely.
0: And there, there's still like places for that. So like I, I teach up yes. at, at our technical college, and so that's yep. you know that's a little bit different because it's it's not there. But like you go there, a lot of the lead instructors are retired guys for the uh, classroom portion. And so like you know that that that's great because that's where a lot of them still strive. They have a lot of the statistics, and they're open to like the statistical change. Yeah, and stuff. but that's it's classroom, right? Yeah. yeah, you get out to the the hands-on portion, and I mean every instructor that's like actually teaching. Um, and like in the building, like, you know, some of those retired guys that may be the safety or like the IC, but everybody that's in there helping out is like on the job still. So it's all current, current firefighters, current officers, everybody that's there helping. So it just, it's, it's really, it's really nice. And there's always a place for people that are retired and don't want to, you know, leave the job, but you know, it's when you're actually getting those hands
2: on things change so quick. It all depends on what you're teaching is what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah leadership thing like engine ops, like pump operations, like that's completely different, you know, like different subjects, but certain subjects, I think if you're not, you know, like, if you hadn't done it in a long, long time, maybe it's, you know, it's time to kind of, you
0: know, yeah, yeah,
2: no, for sure. I take that to the extreme with myself. And like, even when I was on a slow company, I, I, I remember teaching like the field guys and, and I knew I was on a slow company. And I'm like, I wonder if these guys are like, judging me because i'm on a slow company like and i shouldn't feel like that and then like so I, I battle with myself sometimes i'm being too ridiculous like i i still like i said i i still act like i'm a new guy in a lot of the things that i do and i don't know if you remember when i taught in wisconsin that i am not a good classroom guy like you can see me now <laughs> i still get like I, I love being outside and you know kind yeah,
1: of I'm the same way. I can't yeah. really teach classroom stuff. Yeah. So no.
2: yeah. But it has to, I but <laughs> I can't take the easy way out and say I don't like to do a class. You know, you're still gonna do yeah. it. You can yeah. go out yeah. and just do it. So yeah. I put myself it. in comfortable situations. Yep.
0: Yeah, I think we, if if I remember correctly, I don't know how long you were doing it beforehand, but you you made a big deal of like it being one of your um, not first, but like your first couple uh, lecture series that you were really in charge of when you, when you were out there. Was, yeah. Cause you, you talked a lot of it. You're like, I don't, I don't like to be the classroom guy standing up here and everything and to bear with you, but you, it's you, true.
2: You I got through it. <laughs> it's still true. Like I still like have that, like that proby kind of feeling of a lot of things I do, but I love putting myself like in uncomfortable situations. I know I said it a bunch, like that's how the way, the way I get through stuff. Like that's even that's if how we all grow, that's how you learn. Yeah. yeah. You volunteer for us to do the skill. You, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll mess up. I'll look terrible doing it, but I'm I'm going to do it. And you're going to do sure. it right
0: the next time, and the time after yeah. that, and everything after that because you oh. messed up. I, that's a, talked about it. I think it was last one. I probably everyone. I mean, the the die in training of like you know do have that have that big mess up happen in training where you let that thing slip or you you do it where you can learn from that and move on. So when it comes to the real world, you're like you know I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to look stupid like that. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Like, I know what I did now, and it's not leaving me.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, Brendan, you got, got anything else to
2: add? For I have one table? question.
1: Do you run paramedics on your engines or trucks, or just EMT basics?
2: It's EMT basics. We do have, there's a couple guys sprinkled in that paramedics, but they have no, there's no benefit to be a paramedic on my job. Oh, they, okay. The reason why yeah. we have a medic is because they may have came over from Boston EMS. But,
1: okay. Yeah. I know. A lot of you get like preference points if you're a medic somewhere, and you get like hired on quick or something. There's boss Yeah, I know.
2: Did. I know out west, like you have to have like you, my buddies out west to L.A. or California, like all that stuff. You need to have that before you even apply. Like, oh. no, we're very basic out east. Awesome, awesome, huh? Excellent. I can't believe we hit the two-hour mark. I'm like, I can't believe this. <laughs> I told this you. Place.
0: I told you it goes by quick.
1: Yeah, it does. It
0: does yeah. Sure. Uh, I guess all, all that's left is just, just to thank you for coming on. I and mean, it was yeah, great. Thank uh, you dude, very you much. Did, you did great for your first podcast. So hey, we are fun. absolutely honored that uh, you, you sp- shared that experience with us, but uh, for, first podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, hopefully get to see at some more of these trainings. I know uh, Brennan wants to go back. I know myself trying to get to FDTN. So hopefully it'll be, if it's not there, it'll be at any of these other trainings that we'll run into, but Definitely. really, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Uh, Next month, we've got Sean Duffy. So don't forget, guys, send in questions. So you got questions for, for Sean? He's a real celebrity. He's yeah, real yeah. Celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> no, be, it should be a good time. So if you got questions, send them in. Um, and Kenny, uh, we like to end every our series. You, you mentioned you already uh, bought into it, our little shipbag stuff. So uh, every, every episode, we end uh, with our saying of don't be a shitbag, which is just as clear as it sounds. And. I say it, have Brennan say it, and we like to have uh, the guests finish it off. So you, you think you can handle that? Are you prepared for that that uh, big task? I do, and I don't think my accent comes into play at all for that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, then again, thank you. Thank you guys for yeah, watching. hope you, you enjoyed. I will see you next time. Don't be a shitbag.
1: Don't be a shitbag.
2: Don't be a shitbag.